Hello and welcome to another edition of ESPN Scrum Reset. I'm your host, Brittany Mitchell, and like usual, I am joined by rugby guru, Christy Doran. Christy, how are you going? It's a freezing cold day here in Sydney. Freezing cold, and we've just heard that Lockie's up in Sydney, and given the fact that he lives in Canberra, he's he's thinking this weather's all fine and dandy. I'll tell you what, it's not that. It's gloomy, and it's cold, and it feels like rugby season at last. Exactly. uh, At least the rain has kept away, although it doesn't look like it'll hold off much longer. And as you mentioned, former Brumby, Lockie McCaffrey, is joining us once again. And unfortunately, it sounds like your, your side went down again over the weekend. Yeah, we won't talk about that. Thanks, Brett. But yeah, I went down at Icebergs this morning for a, for a little dip. I was the only person in the water. So it uh, yeah, it's pretty true how soft Sydney siders are. Um, and just special mention, obviously, to Fijiana Drew on their title win on the weekend. It was uh, They peaked at the right time and um, congrats to all involved there. Yes, definitely. I have to admit, I'll have to be eating my words. I wrote them off quite early in the season. They, they, as you said, peaked exactly right time, knocked off the Tars in the semifinal and have done the same against the Reds in Townsville. And it was an absolute epic of a match and something, um, I guess, what the, competi- the competition warranted. But uh, if we look at the Super Rugby round that has just been, and we were treated for with perhaps one of the most entertaining rounds over the last few weeks. A lot of those games, I suspect a lot of people reading it on paper, wrote off a lot of those games, Moana Pacifica against the Blues in Auckland, uh, Fiji at home, and uh, and the, the last game of the round, the, the Rebels and the Brumbies, I don't think many people anticipated the absolute cracking match that we got to witness. And one of the big storylines out of that game was, of course, Noah Loiseo and Carter Gordon going face-to-face, and there was plenty of passion. Lockie, you are a former Brumby player. What did you take out of Noah's, uh, I guess, uh, statement and staring down the barrel of the camera? And uh, I think everyone's worked out. He, Carter Gordon, who, the shrug, everything, the the uh, the attitude that he brought to the game. What, what did you take out of it? They're not, yeah, first of all, I love um, seeing guys passionate about um, their team and, and obviously their careers. Um, Noah's been put under the spotlight, a bit of pressure the last few months. Um, you know, he's continuing to, to stand up and, and Bernie's going with him, showing him a lot of support there in that, in that 10 role. Um, he, did some, he did some awesome things on the weekend. I think he's linked play off Whitey and, and Tommy Wright um, and the way his vision in, in attacks was really spot on. Um, you know, if I was Eddie Jones and still watching those two young 10s, I'd still be a little bit concerned around their general field kicking. You know, I think the way international rugby's played and won these days is around controlling territory and trying to minimise your your unstructured um, defensive systems. And I think a lot of the tries and attack on the weekend was off probably poor kicking and exits. And, um, you know, two really... Uh, good young 10s, um, both playing some really good footy, but that would be my concern in, in terms of that transfer to international footy later in the year. You're a little bit of a tough judge there, I reckon, Lockie. Um, like this was the best round, as you mentioned, best round of the competition to date, I reckon. You're, you're looking for and what rugby's been striving for in Super Rugby is punters going up through the gates not knowing who's going to win. And we saw a couple of upsets. We saw Fiji... Anyone that would have written Fiji off against the Hurricanes hasn't been paying attention because they were always going to front up against that Hurricanes side who 
you know, didn't do what the uh, the Crusaders did a couple of months earlier by arresting a, a few key players. They brought a strong side up there and they got beaten by a brilliant Fijian team that should have actually put another couple of tries on the on the Hurricanes in that first half. Great game there. Great game on Saturday at Eden Park between Minor Pacifica. And, and, yeah, we're talking about the Brumbies and the Rebels at the moment. That was the best, one of the best Australian derbies we've had in a while. Didn't involve the Reds or New South Wales, which is so pleasing to see. A side that has had a really interesting kind of start to their, you know, first 10, 11, 12 years in Super Rugby. A lot of people saying that they shouldn't be in Australian Rugby. The Rebels shouldn't have a side. Who turned up? That was a statement. That was a statement for people to come down and watch. Um, great game, regardless of the fact that they lost. Yeah, a few clumsy errors at the end, which we'll come to. But Carter Gordon and, and Noah Lolisau, well played, because I think it was the arrival of a couple of young fly halves. We've been waiting for a fly half, one, two, three, to put their hands up and go, you know what, we belong in Super Rugby. We finally saw a couple of really strong performances where you can see highlights, you can see none of them shirking contact. Defensively, they stood up, particularly Carter Gordon. We know the, the hits that he caught, but Noah is a little bloke, but but he certainly gave it his best as well. That was a that was a great performance. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned the the defensive efforts. I think a lot of people would have noted over the over the season that Carter Gordon isn't the fly half that's going to shy away from contact. He makes a lot of big hits and he cops a lot of big ones as well. I think. I think from about the 20th minute mark, he was wearing a, a bloody a bloody lip and uh, he, you know, his ribs almost got rearranged in one of those big tackles. And I think that's something that I guess is uh, Noah's been missing a little bit from his game. He he does He's not the one you see making those big tackles. But as you said, Lockie, some of those um, clearing kicks that just didn't go the right go well you know that second Noel Alessio try came off the back of a, a poor Carter Gordon kick Tom Wright just spotting the gap and and making it a massive break down the field but I guess it goes to show a lot of these guys are under plenty of pressure and, and Noah has been he missed out on that first Eddie Jones uh, squad and there's been a lot of talk about Carter Gordon making his presence known and he made that statement that you know uh, he's not the only one here. I can I can do the job and and I can do it really well. Yeah, I think both were really influential in their attack, and that's what you want from your general or from your ten. You know, especially Carter Gordon. Both those two tries, take it to the line, one long ball over the top, um, and then the other one, obviously the the cutout, um, which was a beautiful ball. So um, both of them in a, in attack were great. Um, you know, they're both really good. You know, huge potential young tens. I'm um, getting better game in, game out, which which is awesome to see. Um, Quaid, obviously, back um, playing on the weekend in Japan. Um, I watched highlights from that game. Obviously, he was influential in attack too. So um, Bernard Foley playing in finals with Kubota too. So we've got four at the moment, you know, plus really good options there. And I'm sure Eddie Jones is um, looking through all of their individual games as close as anyone. Mm-hmm. The big question now is, is is what Eddie Jones does. Like we, we know that he's been looking at Ben Donaldson. He certainly looked at him by bringing him into a Wallabies camp. I think it's fair to say that he's 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 off the pace when you compare it to Noel Oliseo and, and Carter Gordon. If he's seeing something, it's it would be an extraordinary selection to pick someone like Ben Donaldson at the moment. 
but but you're, you're right by pointing out those couple of balls there that that, that Carter Gordon delivered. Really good backup play from from Noel Alessio to score his two tries. They were like uh, like fullback kind of runs or inside centre runs to charge onto the ball. But you know, we 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 do highlight the kicking game there. But Lockie, you would know more than anyone. It's all about the kick chase a lot of the time. You know, bad kicks or good kicks can can end up as a as a good kick if you've got a good uh, kick chase. And, and we we saw that it was fractured. And Tom Wright at the moment is the most electric fullback in Australia at the moment. But there's selection conundrums and decisions all over the place. You look about the depth and the. Uh, uh, at the moment, there is a solid foundation that Dave Rennie's helped provide. But between Kellaway, Tom Wright, the tens that we're talking about, the nines at the moment, Nick White had had his moments, but he also kicked out in the full of a really poor pass into touch. But he's still, I think, head and shoulders the top nine. We'll get to the forwards in a little while. But it's so pleasing to say that we're actually speaking about the depth that Australian rugby's got in some of these key positions, I reckon, Britt. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think you you touched on Ben Donaldson. I don't I don't think we can ignore the fact that he did have a better game on the weekend. It was probably his best game in a, quite a while. And he's been under a lot of pressure and you can see that he has lost a lot of confidence. So for him to stand up in a game that was really important for the Reds, I mean, for the Waratahs against the Reds, it, it was really pleasing to see him make um, make those changes and, and like his kicking from the tee was still really strong and he flattened up an attack a lot more often and that's some really good stuff you want to see and just as you mentioned just having depth in some really key positions we haven't had that in such a long time and to see that coming through I mean you don't you don't really want to be in Eddie Jones's position trying to t- select who you want to take to the World Cup uh, but we can't ignore, of course, that the game wasn't a the Brumbies wasn't a complete game for the Brumbies. Uh, the last five minutes was a bit fractured. Uh, Dicey Swain, the yellow card, and then the Rebels also they had that perfect opportunity to level the game with about ten minutes left. Uh, Elof kept going for the tap and go at the line, and uh, the defense just I, I, at the end of the day, if you're only uh, a few metres out, you just got to wear that tackle and, and collapse over the line. Lockie, did you see it as, was it the right decision to keep going with the, the tap and, and drive? I, I know the line out hadn't been as accurate as they had wanted it to be, but three tap and goes in the last five or so minutes, they're up a player. Was it the right decision to make? Oh, I, I think the tap move, was definitely the right right decision to make. I think the under eights, give it to your biggest bloke and just run straight with no other options is pretty poor in terms of attack options at super rugby level. Um, you know, you, you know, I love watching every week highlights of the Northern Hemisphere games at the moment and, and the creativity they've got around their tap move five out is almost impossible to stop. And, and you know, the Rebels, I, I, I don't... I'm guessing they've trained for something else. I think that's a tired, uh, poor decision-making by players on the field. Um, but as an attack coach, I'd be really, really disappointed with that last five minutes. You know, Darcy, um, ill-discipline again, 14 men on the field, um, tired Brumbies um, players for that last five minutes. All you had to do was add a little bit of creativity and get, you know, two or three passes off the rack and get some different bodies and deception at the line 
it's not that hard, and they really they really bombed it. To be fair, um, I would I would have been really disappointed after the game with that with that last five minutes and kind of that leadership and and composure decision making. Um, you know, with so many opportunities. The the other thing is that like they didn't just have to go to the line out. We've got to remember Darcy Swain's one of the best for the Brumbies around the the rolling mall, particularly defensively. Um, but if they had gone scrum, it would have been pretty much centre field a lot of the time. You can go left, you can go right. Um, the, the Brumbies probably would have maybe contested with the seven-man pack to try to um, balance up the, the defensive numbers against against the Rebels' backs. But given how, how slick the Rebels' backs were as well, you would have backed, you know, one of their number, either their number eight or, or indeed, I think it was um, Tuttle was on the field at the time, but you would have backed the Rebels to kind of find some space there. Ray, Reece Hodge was clearly fueled here at the end of full time when he was speaking on stand. He was saying, yeah, in hindsight, probably not the best move to keep going with the taps, but you, you are right. I, I think the other thing we've got to make, make mention of the Brumbies is, yes, some ill discipline. Um, maybe I wonder whether or not, no, a lot of the CEO would have benefited from playing closer to 80 minutes. Um, we know that there's a the strength of the, the depth of the Brumbies is one of their their real um, real strengths. Is that you know you can bring in a Ryan Lonergan or a Jack Debrasini, um, and, and they're both classy enough players to get keep it going. But given the fact that Lossie had scored a couple, he's up against Carter Gordon. I, I think it would have been great to see him out there. Firstly, but. But secondly, they've really got to fix up their their exits because against the Hurricanes, they conceded points of not being able to exit properly. And then once again on the weekend, virtually every time that they scored points, they were up against it by not either taking the ball cleanly, getting through the first phase and putting a proper kick on out. Um, that's a huge concern. And if, they, if they're going to go deep in this competition, they've got to fix that one up because that, that was... Um, Floppy from a, a really well structured Australian Super Rugby side, generally speaking. Yeah, Matt, I agree. I think it's probably been two or three weeks now that the exits have been quite poor from the Brumbies. Um, I think, apart from obviously Whitey's box kick, they don't really have another option there in terms of their exits. Pretty easy to read, and and I think if you don't win the territory battle against New Zealand sides over in New Zealand, you you don't win the game. So. That uh, that would be top of my priorities list over the next few weeks. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that it was probably a, a lack of leadership on the field at that stage. And Brad Wilkin had gone off earlier with what looked like a knee injury, and, and hopefully it's not. Um, should be bad. fine. I've heard. Bruce. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've made some inquiries earlier. Thankfully, he should be all right. That's good news, especially for a player like Wilkin who has suffered so many terrible knee injuries in the past, and. Uh, the few minutes that he was on the field, he, he had looked exceptional um, and we really need to make sure that we keep these guys on the field for so long. But like we mentioned, Darcy Swain's poor, I guess, another yellow card. It's just when you see him get carded and getting a chat to the ref, uh, it kind of just lights up and, you, and you're thinking this there's, uh, this guy just really needs to uh, get uh, get it all under control. What are your thoughts, Chrissy? Oh, look, I think, yeah, yeah, clearly he's now earning a reputation, a bit like Lockie Swimson. He's got a reputation and, and and oppositions know it. They try to get under people's skins. The referees are starting to know it too, even though they shouldn't really be taking any preconceived ideas out into the field. doesn't help that the bloke's two metres tall. He's generally wearing headgear here or he's he's just a big bloke who um, loves to get amongst the physicality. He wasn't the only one. Tom Hooper 
I reckon Darcy Swain actually gets away with the earlier incident when he's completely on the ground playing the ball, but Ton Hooper's out there flapping away trying to get the ball. And you can maybe understand why, because the, the breakdown was an absolute mess. James Dolman allowed both teams to get away with absolute murder there. Oh, oh, like We know that Morgan Terranui is blowing up throughout the commentary, but Dolman and, and sides will certainly be looking at how he referees and officiates games because you do have to question a lot of the calls a lot of the time. Um, I, I'd like, I like Swain playing on the edge, but he's just got to obviously know when and when not to press it because when you're on your own line defending from a couple of metres out, yeah, sure, you're trying to slow the ball, maybe look for that breakdown turnover, but... He's not the sort of guy that you want in there. We're seeing that Blake Shop, Reese Van Neg, Lockie Lonigan, these sorts of players. Um, Luke Reimer, there's no better in Super Rugby than Luke Reimer getting a, a fetching penalty. So maybe just pick and pick your moments. That's probably the crucial moment, um, crucial thing that some of these guys need to consider uh, during games, I'd say. Mm. Lockie, as a former player, when you see a, a ref uh controlling a breakdown the way that it was done yesterday or on Sunday does that stick in your mind and, and do you try to play it uh, take a different edge and and I guess uh, do as much as you can because it was you know it was a bit of a free-for-all in there yeah it's it's a little bit frustrating as a player because you obviously um try and stick to the rules and the and the general way refs go um game in game out and then you get one game out of the season where it just turns into a mess and you don't know what you're doing right or wrong even that last breakdown you know there are hands on the floor people coming in looking from the you know it almost looked like people coming in from the side it was as christy said the breakdown was it was a complete mess and a lot of 50-50 calls so um yeah it, it's a it's a hard one um it, it's a it's a leading into the finals it would um you know be nice if if the, i guess that breakdown area refing was a, was a little bit more consistent um but you know at the same time as spectators you hate the you hate refs blowing their their whistle continuously and then you get a ref that that doesn't blow it much and we still complain about that so i guess it's that finding that right balance um but yeah you know i love darcy but I just think it, it's to, to, for him to reach his full potential and and become a you know in that twenty three for the Wallabies. It's it's around it's around him you know making sure he stays on the field and and doesn't you know make make poor decisions in that last 15, 20 minutes of games. And and I'd love to see him you know reach that full potential which we all know he has. If you're an Eddie Jones, Christy, does this stuff stick in your mind? Oh, it has to. It has to because yellow cards that they will change the courses of matches, and certainly uh, red cards obviously do. But um, you can't have many of them because we know how crucial it is, and it's not just the ten minutes that people are off the field. It's the, it's the, how much harder they then have to work the the entire team to cover up for it. But you know, he's also got to be looking around the corner and what else is who else is in the selection frame because it's you know there's rules. Gilton, there's Richie Arnold that they're looking at, but Matt Phillips due to be either coming back this week or next week. Rob Leota's around the corner. There's a fair bit of depth that's going to now start to be coming back, and and that certainly helps the Rebels' cause if they're going to try to make it into the the Super Finals. Um, you know that they've only got I think the three wins this season, but one thing you'll say about the Rebels is they're probably playing the most attractive brand of rugby that they've ever played. 
and it's probably the most attractive brand of rugby in, in Australian at the moment. Um, the Brumbies have had their moments, but I'm really enjoying how the Rebels are playing. I think it's great that they've got the stability there of the coaching structure around them for the next couple of years. And we're, we're seeing the benefit of having uh, depth in the front row. The fact that they can, yes, Kibos Iloff didn't have his finest five to ten minutes uh, on the weekend, but the fact that they can bring on him and a Jordan Walisi and a Pone Farmer Silly and we're still missing a couple of guys um, from that from that Rebels front row that aren't even there, the cameos of the world. Um, you know, Trevor Jose is growing all the time. That's a really encouraging thing for not just the Rebels, but Australian rugby. Yeah, mate, I, I agree. I think Rebels have been the most improved this year. Um, I think they'll be gutted with how well their forwards have been going this year. Those two pretty pretty soft maul tries, you would say. Um, Brumby's almost walked it in, those, those two. Um, and then that last five minutes, turning it into a draw, just with a little bit of extra creativity around their attack there, it, you know, things would have looked a lot different. But, yeah, I agree, mate. They're, they're definitely on the up. Yeah, and it certainly makes uh, the weekend coming up against the Waratahs in Sydney uh, a lot more exciting, not knowing who could come out on top. And uh, the other game of the weekend, which would have kept uh, captured a lot of Australia's attention, was in Townsville, the Waratahs uh, defeating the Reds for the first time in four games. And uh, it was not the uh, pinnacle of entertainment like we saw it and on Sunday afternoon, but it was still a highly engrossing game, uh, a bit scratchy here and there. But uh, it was another game where there was plenty of World Cup hopefuls um, taking on each other. And uh, the storyline, of course, or the big story out of that one was Fraser McWright and Michael Hooper um, playing against each other. And I guess, Christy, who did you see come out on top in that battle? Oh, I think it was pretty obvious. I think Fraser McRight is just playing the house down. I think if I'm Michael Hooper, um, you've got to lift over the next month. Like, uh, Fraser McRight's timing at the breakdown, we talk about the fact that we haven't seen great pitches, particularly in that Sunday afternoon and guys being everywhere. Fraser McWright's getting a great position most of the time at the breakdown. Super encouraging. He's, yes, he might be giving away still the odd penalty, but he's, he's, you know, he used to be probably 50 50 in terms of getting one and, and giving one away. I reckon it's now more towards 80 20 or 75 25. Um, his link play, he's, he, there's a fair bit of Michael Hooper and how he attacks with the ball in hand and the support that he offers. Um, I like Hooper. Like Hooper's going to have, he's got all the experience, he's got composure, he's got things that um, will be crucial come a World Cup. But I can, at the moment, if I'm picking a, a Wallaby side for a quarterfinal, I, I'm almost picking Fraser McRide at the moment just for, just for his complete package. And it's not just one or two weeks. All season he's been outstanding for the Queensland Reds. I think that was the big takeaway Um Michael Hoover's got a bit of ground to, ca- ground to catch up, I think. We're finally talking about the forwards, guys. So it's uh, the important stuff. Mate, I agree. I think it was Fraser's best game I've watched him play over the last probably six to 12 months. I, I thought I thought he was everywhere. Um, he dominated the breakdown. Um, he was a magnet to any line break um, Tate McDermott created. To me, he looked like Hooper probably six years ago around his game. Like He was just everywhere, like one of these little battery cells. He, he, he definitely, he's peaking at the right time in terms of that World Cup selection. Um, and I was really impressed by him. 
same again, I wouldn't write off hoops. Um, experience in big games is key, um, and he's got that in bucket load. So uh, it'll be interesting to see that that selection battle over the, over the next month. The other interesting one was Gleeson versus Wilson. Um, you know, I think once again, Gleeson probably topped him off there. And it's it's a shame the way I think Wilson's playing at the moment because I love his toughness and I love his grunt, but I reckon he's turning into a bit of a one-trick pony at the moment around his game. He just, he just you know, always looking for a carry, which is great. But in the scheme of things, two years ago, he's looking at tip lines. He runs a great line. He's got great skills but at the moment he's just looking like just a just a truck just truck it up there's no tip in his game there's no lines in his game and at super rugby level slash international rugby level unless you're a Vermeulen or, or one of these players it's really hard to get game line when you turn into that style player so I would I would love him to to go back and look at some of his games from two years ago where he's running beautiful tip lines he starts a game with a little bit of a tip in his game, passing game, pull game, and then and then later on in the game in the match when there's tied defenders, then look at, at carrying a little bit more. So I don't know. I don't know if that's an attack policy at the Reds because he's putting his hand up and he's getting his twenty carries a game, no fault of his own. I just, you know, in terms of in terms of World Cup selection, I think he needs a little bit more in his attack than than just trucking it up over and over. Is that, is that a coaching thing, do you think, Lockie, a structures thing, or is mate, it just something that's come into his game? Yeah, think? I think you'd have to be within that red circle to know, mate. Um, to me, it's a coaching thing because I know Harry Wilson's got it in his game because I've seen it. I've seen it, I've seen him run tip lines. I've seen him catch pass. I've seen him catch early. He's He's got really nice hands, and he reads the game really well. So to me, I'm – Watching his game at the moment, frustrated that he's that he's turned away from what made him such a special number eight two years ago. It, it, he's tough as nails, and he loves carrying. And he all he wants to do is get the Reds on the over the advantage line and create momentum, which which I respect. But it's not it's not how he can be the the Wallabies number eight. You know, that, is, that's, it, 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 is he though? Because is he thinking he needs to carry more? and get over the game line because the Reds at the moment, without Taniella, without Lucan, without these guys, is he, unfortunately, uh, is his game suffering because of the, the shortcomings of the Reds' type five at the moment? And, and also probably no Hunter Paisami at 12. Mate, you're spot on. Absolutely spot on. I, I think he's, he's really your only carrying option in that Reds forward pack, to be honest, in terms of in the tight. Um and he's so proactive around that stuff too. He's always there. He's always set. He always wants a ball. He wants the tough carries. Like it's, uh, I'm not being critical of, of Harry um, in terms of his mindset. I just think in terms of the balance of his game and seeing what he has to offer, we're probably only seeing probably five, you know, 50, 60% of his actual game at the moment. You know, you mm. as I've been talking about it a little bit, but two years ago, he had a little grubber in his game on the on an edge. You know, he linked up with those outside backs. He had he was a baller, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. You know, he had it all as a young number eight. He had a bit of everything, um, and it was really hard to defend them because you don't know where he's going to come in and have an impact in the game. Where now, you know, yeah, he's putting his hand up, but, but and he, and he might be doing the job the Reds want him to do. But if I'm picking the Wallabies. I, I need more out of my number eight and number six than just a carrier. 
this just a symptom of a, a greater problem? Like we have mentioned that they're missing some of those big name players, but you see again on the weekend, James O'Connor at number 12, and he just, uh, I didn't see him make much of an impact at all. And there's the, the issues up front and then you, you got the issues out in the back line and, and it just doesn't, nothing really seems to be clicking for the Reds at all at the moment. Yeah, I think it is. Like we, we just touched upon that. I think it certainly is. If I'm the Reds, I'm thinking I need a Penai Rabbi to start. I know he's a poor ball carrier. That's what I'm getting out of him if I'm starting. And, you know, Nongal's a, a good player on the rise, but he looks like a French prop at the moment, a bit slow through the legs, I reckon, and and he's not going to have that devastating impact that a, a Tupo, an Alan Alatoa, a Pone Farmacilli, he's not going to be providing any of that, unfortunately. The thing that I'm concerned about with the Reds is that you look at, yes, they don't have a head coach at the moment uh, going forward beyond this year. What's their recruitment at the moment? I, I've, from what I'm hearing, they're not going particularly heavy on type five forwards. They were certainly keen on getting Harry Hawkins back. Don't think that will happen. Um, elsewhere, they need type five forwards who are ball runners that are really going to provide an impact and, and it's silence, it's cricket that they're up there at the moment. That's the concern for me. Great back row. You touched upon James O'Connor there. We didn't see much of Geordie Pataira on the weekend. Yes, we saw a fair bit more of Suli Vunavalu, um, which was pleasing to see. Kate McDermott had a pretty good game, but yeah, just not enough ball carriers there. And guys like Angus Blythe, who came back via the bench on the weekend, it's really up to these guys to start to go, you know what, we need to absolutely play out our skins for the next three to four weeks. Otherwise, we're going to be blown away. We won't make the finals. Yeah. Is there any word on Luke Jones? He's signed up and he's been up there and he's been injured, but haven't seen, uh, seen or heard anything about him so far this year. Oh, it's been a massive TBC all, all, all year, neck, a neck problem. And look, at, you've, got, you've got to ask and question the due diligence of, of, of why Luke Jones was brought back. I, I thought it was an unusual signing to begin with, a guy that's kind of spent a long time in super, came back to the Reds after a stint abroad, now back over abroad, sorry, previously back abroad again after the 2019 World Cup. Just an unusual signing. And it's, and you know, you, you lose someone like a Lucan who's coming into the, should be coming into the peak of his powers. And you see the reports coming out of the English Premiership, the, the, the highlights that I've seen, he's carving it up there, there at the moment. Too many, too many good players have left the Reds in years gone by and not been adequately replaced. Uh, and then you think about guys like Darcy Swain who came through the Queensland system and you think, why isn't a guy like him up at the Reds? Well, uh, you did have a bit of a, a note at the end of last week that Hunter Paisami is is close to signing on the dotted line, which is a, a massive win for them. But as you mentioned, there's just the recruitment, what's going on up there. Yeah, Hunter Paisami is going to re-sign for, for one more year. That was done, I think, a week and a half ago. It's That's a good result. But the fact that he's signing for one year tells you a few things. But, you know, where does he sit in the Eddie Jones kind of world? Uh, I believe James O'Connor is heading to the force. Uh, you know, that will leave probably an experience really at the 10. They're going to have to back um, Tom Liner. Uh, some of these guys, Lawson Crichton probably continues to play a role going forward. But, yeah, as I say, I think the type five is really where they've got to address. And until they do that, they're not going to stand a chance in Super Rugby because we're seeing the Brumbies with a great type five 
consistently good um, what they deliver. We're seeing the Rebels start to get there. The Waratahs, you know, you take out Angus Bell, the Waratahs are kind of nothing. You take out Taniello Tupo, the Reds are nothing. That just tells you all you need to know. That their Achilles heels up front. Yeah, mate, I think you're spot on, Christy. I talked to Nick Styles a few months ago and, you know, talked about their improvement. And the one thing he said was, you know, we, we really emphasised our type five with our recruitment and it's paying off. It's really paying off. And I think you're spot on. You, you look at that type five at the Reds and I'm sorry to say, but you, you're not competing at the right end of Super Rugby Pacific with, with, a, with an inexperienced smaller type five like that. Yeah, and we, we saw that with the force on the weekend against the Crusaders. That was, fortunately, if you watched that game and you're a diehard Western Force fan, good on you because you're a brave person. That was, you know, like what they suffered against the Reds a week earlier where their, their front row was demolished without their international uh, front row pack. Uh, they were just blown away at the set piece on the weekend against the Crusaders, rolling malls. It was that they were conceding tries worse than the Rebels were in, in the rolling moor on Sunday. Their scrum was blown away. You, you don't get those two fundamentals right, you've got nothing. Yeah, and the, the hard thing with the Force is they probably haven't uh, produced many, many top five players. Where the Reds, they don't have that excuse. You've, no. got, you've got a really good lock playing for Northampton. You've got a really good lock, lock playing for Suntory. The Arnold brothers are both from, from, from Queensland. Um, you, could, you could go on and add two or three more there. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's oh, a tough oh, Isaac, Isaac Rodder at the force as well. Like, and, yeah. and, and in another way, um, he should be in the next week or two getting closer to, to action. Um, there's a, there's a, there is an element of the unknown with how he's going to come back from his foot injury. He clearly injured it in the pre-season fixtures. Chose not to have surgery, probably with the view to playing in the World Cup and hoping to get back. Really crucial month to see Isaac Rotto, whether or not he can take the field. If he's brought back slowly, uh, what happens there? Because he's a if he's fit and firing, He's got the experience and the technical proficiency at at uh, at the line out and at the board to play for the Wallabies at the World Cup. Yeah, definitely. And uh, as you mentioned, Chrissy, the the force over in New Zealand just absolutely decimated by the Crusaders, and it's a, it's a hard one. It, no one goes to Christchurch and comes away. Uh, looking all too pretty, but that was just that scoreline in particular. They almost conceded the half century. Um, there just wasn't much going on, as you mentioned. The scrum just just decimated line out, more just nothing happening really. If Richie Moanga had brought his kicking boots, so that would have been closer to sixty than fifty. But uh, look, a little shout out to Max Bury, who was the playing on debut, um, the Northern Suburbs 10. Uh, I thought he actually held his own. He, he, he gave it a good crack, had to run it to the line a number of occasions, had no forward momentum, uh, very little possession. Uh, he kicked straight, slotted one from the sideline. I think fair play, and, and I hope he gets another opportunity because um, – he, he was better uh, than what the, the scoreline certainly showed. Yeah. As you said, uh, one week playing at North Sydney Oval against Gordon, the following week against Richie Mwanga, the Crusaders in Christchurch. There is not a harder task in rugby, I don't suspect. And as I said, not a lot of teams head to Christchurch and, and come away with a win, a victory, and especially a team that 
this is what their fourth fly half of the season. You kind of you, you don't have much direction when you're bringing in another player and a, another voice into that back line. Lockie, what did you see in that game? You don't really want to bang on about it. No one was impressed by what they saw, really. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough ask, um, even with a fully fit team. And obviously you talked about um, some of the injury problems they've got and, and the lack of experience and depth. So, um, you know, unfortunately, you probably could see that that happening to, to a certain extent. Um, unfortunately, um, we haven't gone over the ditch in terms of all Australian teams and got a W yet. So, um, you know, for the regular season, it would be nice for... Hopefully the Reds play the, the Highlanders in a fortnight, um, try and get a W there. But it's, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be the, the best look finishing a, a regular season and not getting a W over the ditch. Mm. It's uh, zero from eight so far this year. The latest force uh, lost to the Crusaders, just uh, just highlighting it all. But there has been, what, two Brumbies losses, Canes and against the Canes and the Chiefs, uh, not the Chiefs, um, Someone help me out here. The Canes and the, the Crusaders. Crusaders. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Of course, the Tards went over and they uh, fell down to the Blues. Now the Force, you have to give it to the Force. They're the only team that now goes right. on their tour. They did three weeks on the trot in New Zealand. Then they have this fourth week against the Crusaders on the road. It's it's not an easy task. And, and uh, like I said, the, the only team now that, that does go on tour. Um, uh, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're right. They certainly don't have, they've got it completely up against them most times. The fact that they had to go on a three week tour of New Zealand and then come back after a bye, then they go to the Waratahs, uh, then they go to the Reds, then they go back across the ditch. It's not easy. Look, they've, they've got the Fiji Drua this week. That's going to be a good game. It's a really important game for both sides. Finals chances be absolutely remiss if we didn't talk about the, the Fiji Drua. We know the Fijiana Drua. Uh, had a great victory in their Super W final. But anyone that really watched that game, we, we've spoken about the growth, the potential, the excitement that rugby in Fiji provides. Uh, the crowd there was just unbelievable. And, and you know, the entire time, the, the flags are waving, they're screaming. Um, it's a huge game this week. I, I get the feeling the Drew are going to have a couple of crucial games at home where they'll want to win against the Reds. I think my one Pacifica as well. If they can somehow jag a win here before going to the Waratahs, that'll be a huge, huge game success to set up a finals charge. Uh, Mick Burns doing a great job, I reckon, with the Drua. Yeah, and they they clawed their way into the top eight. They're sitting at eighth at the moment and finals spot on the line. But that game on, on Saturday against the Canes, as you mentioned earlier, was a great game to watch and you couldn't write them off and, Fiji's becoming, I guess it's not that holiday destination a lot of these players would have thought of beforehand. They're taking a fair few scalps. It's the Hurricanes, it's the Crusaders. Uh, they had the Blues on the line last week. The heat, the humidity. Geez, Lockie, you're just happy you're not playing over there. Yeah, then I just love the look on both, both teams, uh, all players, all 30 players involved, because, you know, even after a loss, players enjoy playing in good atmospheres with good crowds. And I think at the moment, a lot of the games we've got going on in Australia and New Zealand, the crowds aren't creating any atmosphere and it's they're quite poor. So it's just awesome to look in terms of the competition, in terms of the the passion and the crowds that the Drew are getting back home. So, you know, 
if they get those crowds every home game, we should all go play in Fiji maybe to, to get that atmosphere because it's just great to see for the competition and, um, you know, credit to, to the crowds over there and, and what, they're, what they're giving to Super Rugby Pacific because even, even the Hurricanes guys come off after a loss. You know, a lot of the, the comments after the game was how awesome it was to play here. The atmosphere was electric. Um, you know, even after a loss, they, they love the atmosphere and they love the occasion, which is what rugby is about. Yeah, and you see it after the game, as you mentioned, the players going up on the sideline, there's there's the local kids, there's people on the, the edges of the fence just desperate to get a photo, to get a handshake, autograph. I mean, some of the players were handing out boots, everything. And it's just a, it's a different atmosphere and it's such an exciting atmosphere. Just before the game starts, it's, um, it's theatre in in a game. They, they do their, their bole before the game starts. The Hurricanes did their haka. It's a, an event around the game and it's it's something really exciting to watch. And I do have to admit, though, I did I did enjoy that there wasn't as many horns blowing this week as there were the week earlier. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, look, when, you know, it, it is great. What we also need to now see is Moana Pacifica play more games back in Samoa. Look, we, we yeah. know that it's a, yes, it's an advantage Fiji playing at home, but it should be an advantage playing at home. You know, South Africa benefited for 20, 20 odd years. New Zealand benefited from it every time they play at home. And unfortunately, Australians don't get any benefit because unfortunately, no one's turning up. And the ones that do turn up are generally turning up at Suncorp Stadium where it's a 50,000 stadium and there's 15,000 that rock up. There's some crucial changes that need to be made. Moana Pacifica need to play half their games in Samoa. Uh, The Queensland Reds soon enough need to take their gains once their contract is over with Suncorp Stadium back to Ballymore. Uh, they need to get 10, 15,000 there and make it feel like an English premiership game where crowds are on top of you. you know, some of these things are, are crucial. We're seeing even with the Waratahs, it's, no, it's their home apparently at Allianz. It's only, once again, 10, 15,000 people there. We saw the product. We saw how much the players enjoyed playing in front of packed houses at Leichhardt Stadium. It's it's a huge issue, I think, with Australia's supersides. And it's one of the reasons why I think they always are at a disadvantage when they're playing in these comps. Um, but back to Moana, that's a really Asian fix. They're not getting any support really out of Mount Smelt Stadium. It was a poor crowd at the weekend at Eden Park um, for the Blues, for the local derby. But unfortunately, you wouldn't have known that um, if you were the casual observer. So it's some critical fixes that need to be made Hopefully they're done sooner rather than later, but but some big games this weekend and, and hopefully fans turn up for the Waratahs-Rebels match. Should be a good one. A couple of sides that have got a lot of fringe wallabies going for it. Who can actually rise to the top, flex their muscles, show what they're made of. That's a really, really crucial game this, this weekend on Saturday. Yeah, and there, there are some big games this weekend. Obviously, the Reds are on the road against the Chiefs, and we have touched on the fact that no Australian team has come away from New Zealand with a win. And of the four rounds left, there's only four games left that an Australian uh, team can come away with a win, and that's the Reds against the Chiefs this weekend, and the Reds are in uh, Dunedin, followed by the Rebels in Dunedin, and then the Crusaders in uh, the Tars in Christchurch. And... I don't know what you guys are thinking around that, but I do not foresee a an Australian team finishing the regular season with a win. Oh, look, I yeah, probably I, don't. 
I probably don't either, but, you know, we've got to accept that and move on. You know, there's an opportunity for the Brumbies to win on Sunday against the Highlanders, knock them out, allow an Australian or a Fijian side to push for the finals. We don't want to, if, and we, speaking from an Australian perspective, don't want to allow the Highlanders to snare eighth spot. Eddie Jones will be wanting players to, uh, for him and his selection frame going into a rugby championship in a World Cup, he wants to see as many players as he can up against New Zealand opposition. And if that means a Waratahs or a Reds or a Rebels going across the ditch to play potentially the Chiefs, Chiefs in first and eight, that's crucial. And, and we need to see what these players can deliver in big finals matches because that's where Wallaby selection should be based on. Um, we need the Brumbies to, to continue on their, on their merry, merry way. A top two position is so crucial here. And and I'm less concerned about the fact that, yeah, there's a couple of sides that might lose over there. We know the Brumbies have rested players against the Crusaders. We know that the Waratahs have rested players against uh, the Blues. Um, unfortunately, that's a, a harsh reality of where Australia is at. Uh, they don't have the depth when they, when they rest people. But it's crucial that you're strategic around when it is in this kind of competition. So... You know, it's it's an unfortunate reality. Any thoughts on that, Lockie, as a former player? No, I think Christy's right. I, you know, I uh, you make the top eight and then it's finals and, you know, you just take each game as it comes. No matter where you play, you have a crack. So, um, I, yeah, as Christy said, I think Brumby's beating the Highlanders this Sunday is not just important for their next few weeks leading into finals, but also for, for getting that extra Australian team into seventh or eighth position. Um, they've got to go over and try and tip the drawer up um, in the next few weeks too. So, you know, the if we can if we can snag two or three Aussie teams in that top eight, um, and even though two will be over the ditch, you know, Waratahs, Reds, Rebels on their day can, can beat anyone. So you've just got to make sure you're in that top eight. As a, as a, I know we just talked about a, a whole rugby perspective around the top eight and wanting to get as many teams in there. If you're an Australian player and you look at that top eight positioning and you see the Brumbies uh, coming in second, would you prefer to finish seventh so that you you go up against them, you avoid going over going over the ditch, and it, uh, there's a potential, well, a higher potential of, of getting into that next round. Uh it depends who you're asking. I, I don't. I, I think cheap. I think versing the Chiefs, versing the Brumbies, or versing the Crusaders at their home grounds come week one of the finals is is a tough ask. So I um yeah I don't really care where you're going. It, it's going to be tough no matter where you play. I don't think they'll be really looking that far ahead. It's it's trying to get um, one or two wins in the last few rounds to um, make sure you get six, seven or eight spot because it's it's super tight there and it could I, I couldn't predict who's going to finish in those last three spots, I reckon, come finals time. Yeah, I look, Britt, Britt, I, I don't reckon you'll be, you know, if you're, if you're a side at the moment, the only thing that you're hoping to try to do at the moment with the months to go is momentum. It's my men, winning momentum. Uh, that's probably more important. I don't know if you want to be hearing the, the cowboy, the cowbells yeah, over at Waikato and similarly. I don't know if you want to have the the feeling that you're running onto to Bruce Stadium with your hands feeling like uh, frozen icicles either. So, um, 
you're possibly right that an Australian side might go, yeah, that's. I feel like we can we can push the Brumbies, and it might be we can get it to a closer 50-50 chance than going across the ditch. That's you're possibly right, but if you have that mentality a month out, you don't you don't deserve to be anywhere near it. And, and more to the point, you probably have players disgruntled, potentially if they're taking their foot off the gas, injuries come into it because you need to be a hundred percent when you're taking the field. Uh, in professional rugby because if you're not, you get shown up. Here's the one for you, but how important is it to see Fiji in the top eight? Second year, if they make it into the playoffs, how important is it for the Super Rugby Pacific competition? We know that Moana haven't jagged that, that, the win yet. They were so close on the weekend, but to have one of these two new teams, a second year in, into the playoffs, just how important is that? I, th- I think huge. We talked about a few podcasts previously, um, you know, trying to get Moana and Drew in, in that top eight is crucial um, for the success of Super Rugby Pacific moving forward. As, as a fan, that decision's already paid off looking at the crowds in Fiji because you look at so many crowds at the moment in Super Rugby Pacific and it's really underwhelming. Um, and to see the passion of, of supporters in Fiji, to me, they could finish anywhere. And obviously, I'd love them to finish in the top eight. But that's what that's what we want. We want passionate rugby supporters in you know in the Pacific, and that's what the Fijians give us. And hopefully, next year we see home crowds in Samoa or, or Tonga supporting Moana Pacifica. And to me, that was that was part of obviously bringing in Moana and, and Drewer is is to include you know that those. Pacific rugby fans that, that show their passion and show their support and hopefully show home crowds in Australia and parts of New Zealand how you should be supporting your, your rugby team. So to me, even if they don't make the top eight, um, seeing, seeing the atmosphere and the crowds in Fiji is, is one of the highlights of the season so far. Well, it'd be remiss of us to not talk about perhaps one of the biggest games of the round, and that is the Crusaders and the Blues in Christchurch. Uh, a massive uh, New Zealand derby, that one. What are you guys seeing? Bowden Barrett sat out over the weekend. There's, there's hopes that he should be good to go for this big clash. What should we expect? Oh, I reckon he was just sitting on the sidelines in his suit because they they didn't want to take any form of chances a, a week out from this one. It's a big one. And we know that the Blues earlier in the year uh, weren't able to crack the line against the Chiefs and weren't able to crack the line against the Crusaders. They had multiple opportunities uh, to score, came up empty-handed, but they've gone on a bit of a winning streak since. Should be a great game. Should be a cracking game. Probably the round of the, of the match if you're looking forward to, to something. Um, the Crusaders, uh, you know, they've, they're, 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 you know, they, they obviously stumbled against the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago, but uh, so good to see Will Jordan back, and he's he's a classy operator. Oh, he reminds me so much of Ben Smith. It's going to be really interesting to see what the All Blacks do with their number fifteen selection in particular come the World Cup. Do they go two chefs in the kitchen with Bowden Barrett and, and Richie Meyer, or do they go with someone like a Will Jordan at fullback? I would be taking the Richie Meyer, Will Jordan, 10-15. I love Bowden Barrett, everything that he does. I'd have him on the bench. I just think that Will Jordan is, is a fullback. He's an out-and-out fullback. Bowden Barrett is a playmaking fullback. Um, and I just don't know if they've ever clicked 
how people have wanted. So that's a really intriguing kind of matchup in itself, the Jordan Mwanga factor against uh, against the Blues. No, no McKenzie in your 23 then, mate. It's tough, isn't it? It's so tough that, like, what what would you do? Because we know McKenzie's in scintillating form at the moment, but you do have to think about combinations as well and how it all kind of adds up. I think you know, the, the decision that he made to just re-sign for a couple more years, he, he even said the fact that Richie Mwang is going to be going overseas, Bowden Barrett's going to be at least away for 2024, it does help. Damian McKenzie now come back into the hearts and the minds of, of New Zealand selectors. So McKenzie will be going to the World Cup. There's no doubt about that. I just think it's so difficult. And maybe he finds a place in the wing because he's done it in the past. Um, but that's a that's a really tough one. I'm glad I don't have to make the call. But I just think that Will Jordan is so safe. And he's and he's just he's Ben he's a Ben Smith clone, in my opinion. Yeah, mate, tough selection calls to have. Um, pretty lucky ones. Yeah, I uh, I can't wait for that matchup this weekend. Barrett, Barrett versus Jordan. Um, I think Crusaders win, but I think Barrett comes out on top. I think, um, you know, I'm really excited to see him over the next few weeks. And, and I would go Mwanga at 10 and Barrett at 15. I think you got to throw something special to win a World Cup. Um, and those two players, I know it hasn't clicked probably 100%, but I could see it clicking in, in three months' time in France. Is this Roger Tuovasa's, I guess, not the last chance, but is this, you know, the moment that he needs to step up and make a mark and and really prove that he deserves a spot in the World Cup? He's kind of a, the news, obviously, a few weeks ago that he's moving back to the NRL next year. Wasn't too much surprise around it. He hasn't made that much of an impact since moving to rugby. Is this kind of the last? Is this it? Oh, I think so. It's a big month ahead for him. But if he's going to make a statement now, would be a good one. He's probably got he's he's playing twelve at the moment. Yes, he could play on the wing, but he's probably got Jordy Barrett ahead of him, and he's probably got David Havili ahead of him, and he's probably got Anton Leonard Brown, who's just returned. And geez, he's a good player. I love seeing him on a footy field. He's back as well. So unless two or three guys go down, and I don't think uh, I don't think. Roger Tuivasa-Shek comes close to this this All Black squad. Just he's going to be squeezed out. And the NRL, you know, it's great to have him in rugby, but the NRL can have him back. Right? You know, New Zealand's got an embarrassment of riches. Um, they don't need to be having guys that don't necessarily want to be there. Yeah, I, I think you know um, it showed showed bravery and you know courage having a cracking union. So full credit to him for, for doing it. Um, I think it was a pretty um, informed decision going back to league because you've got Geordie Barrett and, and as you said, Anton Leonard-Brown um, locked in in that, in that 12 position, I, I think, uh, at least in the centres. And I, um, I, I think he misses out on World Cup selection. Hmm. I think it's fair to say not the, not the rugby career he would have uh, hope for only a few appearances in the All Blacks and didn't really crack the mark, but nothing. I think it's well. a, I think it's a little bit tough, Britt. I think, you know, I think we've got to give credit to to players that try their hand in any other code. And I think playing for the All Black, I don't think many people can say that. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I would, I would give him a huge round of applause um, as he heads off from Union back to League, and I hope he. He, he he steps into the the NRL field where he left off and, and dominating. I, I think uh, we should 
we should be glass half full with, with these guys, you know, going cross codes. And I think I think it's awesome to see. Um, and, yeah, full credit to him. Even if you don't make the World Cup squad, I, I still think it's been a huge success pulling on an all-black jersey. I, I think it also, what it does go to show is it goes to show that rugby union isn't a second-tier sport. It is a top-tier sport and playing at the international stage is very, very difficult. He probably, he probably would have made the Wallabies and, and played for the Wallabies much more if he was Australian eligible. He, he's not. No one's ever thought of that. But he, he's made a pretty good fist of it. He hasn't let himself down. He hasn't been there just for a cup, like, you know, a hot second. Um, a top, top player is going to be going back going, you know what, I gave it everything. And there's some seriously good rugby players in the world. Is very true, but uh, yes, it's um, a huge matchup this weekend and another big round coming up. Uh, well, thank you again, guys, for joining uh, ESPN Scrum Reset. For everyone listening in, make sure to come for all your rugby news at ESPN.com. Lockie, Christy, thank you again for joining another week and uh, can't wait to see you all again next week after another huge uh, weekend of rugby. Yeah, can't Thanks, wait guys. to do it again. Thanks, Good luck Lockie. to all the Aussie teams. Yeah, yeah, let's cheer for them and um, make sure that you get out to your, to watch rugby because Australia needs as many fans turning up through the gates. Uh, Western Force, big game this weekend. You're going to enjoy it because Fiji's coming and uh, they always put in the show. So please turn up. And if it's not there, your local club teams. <laughs>